Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Demika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And wearing black in the summertime is it's not a goth thing. It's about kind of covering my sweat. Mmm, that's true. I, I've never been a light color person, mm. even though I'm wearing a light color today, which is it's weird. It's lovely. It's I, like It's like mustard, right? Yeah, but it's like the light colors do show the sweat <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. I don't know why everyone wants to wear like light linens in the summer. And, and I get it. I get it's a breathable, flowy fabric, but it travels well, apparently, but not really. I just don't. I never understood the lighter colors in the heat whatsoever. No. I mean, also, I'm just like, black looks good. <laughs> like, I, it just looks yes. nice. <laughs> Hands down. We've talked about this before. I have my spring blacks. I've got my summer blacks. My favorite fall, my standby winters, like you have Black of All Seasons. And so, which is also the name of my memoirs. Black of All Seasons. Oh my God, you can't write it though until you're old. Yeah. So that you could cover all the seasons of your life, Jamaica. Exactly. That's a memoir. I love it. Right, right, right. I feel like if anyone would hold me accountable to that, it would be you. Yeah, I'm. I'm putting it. I'm putting it in my diary. I'm gonna bring <laughs> it up again in like 30 years. Just wait. <laughs> oh my goodness! Speaking of passages of time, and when mm. we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know what I is so weird is that the 2020 Olympics taking place in 2021 Mm. it feels like a haunting i know it sounds weird because everything in tokyo that you're watching it and everything says 2020 they're announcing it as 2020 and so i still feel are they because i well we'll get into it but i have not been watching the olympics so i don't (laughs) wow i i guess i'm just surprised i mean i guess why would they remake everything to say 2021 yeah. Wow, exactly. that is weird. That's I very know. strange. So the topic today is the Olympics. The torch is lit, and so are we. And we're taking a deep dive right into the competitive and controversial world of the Olympics. And I feel like this one is one of those topics that either you love them or you hate them. But for like the better part of the summer, they are just a part of our lives. Yeah. Before we get into the madness that is 2020 Summer Olympics in 2021. Uh, What is your general Olympic vibe? Like, are you usually an Olympics person? Me personally, I I enjoy it. There's something about it's always a mixture. I don't like things that force patriotism. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, I don't like when they try to conjure up something. And even from a very, a very, very young age, I found it to be really cringy. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't sound very, very nice, does it? But even from a very, very young age, I remember being made to say the Pledge of Allegiance, even feeling very young and feeling like this feels very weird and not being able to identify that feeling. And then seeing the athletes and they would always show athletes who won gold for America and they're crying during national anthem. And I always thought like, but the anthem didn't get them there. Like it it was, I just even being very young and watching it, but I actually, there's something about, I admire people who can do things I could not fathom doing. Hmm. And there's something about 
watching like real athleticism for someone who's not an athletic person and just being absolutely stunned and amazed. And you have an all gradients of experience from people who were at the Y and literally have just blood, sweat and tears and sacrifice. And then you have third generation privileged Olympians, you know, you have the spectrum and there's something about it, like where I could never not watch any of it, but I definitely think it's funny that it's every four years because every four years I feel like I have a different view or a different understanding or a different take on it. So what about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a sports person. We've established this, <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, I have kind of a strange history with the Olympics. Like I was never like my family wasn't super into it. Mm. growing up so I never like I think you know there was an Olympics in the U.S. right in our lifetime when we were really young mm-hmm. and mm. so Atlanta? Salt Lake City Salt Lake City because we've um, had winter Olympics here too as well yeah, right we've had yeah. both right mm-hmm. and so I remember it being a big thing then but for me like my personal feelings with the olympic what a big deal it is in asia and so this is gonna like bring us into this so the 2008 olympics happened right as i was moving from japan back to the u.s so like there was a lot of hype in japan going into it and then i moved back to the u.s and i was so jet lagged and couldn't sleep and then i was just like up in the middle of the night watching judo in the olympics (laughs) so like i have this weird like memory of that and then um the next olympics which would have been 2012 i was in china when they were happening and like People were going crazy for the Olympics. It was like Nuts. everywhere. And so I have like this this memory of like, I can't remember. Was I getting like a pedicure? Why was I getting a pedicure? I don't know. <laughs> In China. <laughs> and like we were all like chatting in like broken Chinese and English, like about the Olympics as they're on TV. And so I have this strange like oh, the Olympics are such a big deal in Asia. And so like I have this <laughs> this this weird feeling. Um, mm. And so I think it's like it's a unique perspective on the 2020 Olympics in Japan that I might have. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, even uh, like I said, there is nothing as per usual with this particular one. I mean, normally only fits of war have ever prolonged and or canceled the Olympics, right? World War One, twice for World War Two, And here we are. And leading up to the Olympics, I, I think it was very well known. Tokyo was was kind of it was not nah, it was not not feeling it. And I, I struggle with that. I feel like if a host country does not feel comfortable and is worried for the safety, if there are petitions by the people in the thousands saying, please, please do not hold these here. We are not ready for this. I feel like we should probably listen to that. Over 60%, maybe it was Mm -hmm. over 70% of the Japanese public was like, no, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. And it still happened. And I mean, like, Suga, the prime minister, is not <laughs> is 
not well liked anyway um, for a it variety. Did, girl, it did not help. <laughs> it did not help. I think his approval rating is like less than 20% or something. It's real bad. But I, I know it's a complicated issue. Yes. There's like the financial aspects and if they cancel they get fined by this you know ioc and it's a part of it is a flex because the winter olympics are going to be in china next year Uh and so like that's a problem like girl because that is a whole topic (laughs) that is a whole topic that's a whole separate topic and then there was like yeah there's all sorts of like weird weird drama there but yeah tokyo's in a state of emergency was issued into a state of emergency before the olympics started yeah so i have friends who are in tokyo who are literally like like they don't know how to handle it right um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i i find that whole situation very upsetting and the best the best way i saw someone address it a public health official the comparison they made was comparing it to watching a drunk friend get behind the wheel of their car so it's like oh. things might things might be totally fine and you're just hoping that they are right oh. like but like yeah. the odds of something going wrong are so high and if they go wrong it can be very very bad oh that is so that's eerie that's perfect yeah i think that's the best analogy i've heard so with all that said i have not been following the olympics not Mm. that my not watching it is going to impact anything Mm -hmm. um but i just i there is too much to figure out morally around Mm. it so yeah But, you know, I will say this before we transition a little bit more into the racial dynamics of this year's Olympics. And this was not something. And so stop me if if you've heard this, because I don't know if you have. Um, Mm. This was not something I found like any English language coverage on. Ooh. about what happened during the opening ceremonies. But I but I saw other people post about it. So I guess in the broadcast, they had some messages come up on the screen for mm. did you did you hear about this? So I didn't know if it was confirmed. That's the thing. Oh, so. I saw the I saw the screenshots and I could read them. So oh, okay. Um spell yeah. it. Okay, so uh, so there was like these messages on the screen that I, I'm not entirely sure what they are, if they're like Japanese Twitter or like who it is, but like messages from Japan about each of the teams as they were announced was my mm-hmm. understanding. And so one thing that they did, because the teams come out in alphabetical order depending mm-hmm. on the host country, right? And so in Japan... Uh, it's not like ABC isn't mm-hmm. the, isn't the alphabetical order. Um, the fifty sound order is what it's called <laughs> if you're translate it literally into English. So one Taiwan was listed as Taiwan, uh, separate from from China, which they're a separate team. Um, but mm-hmm. because of the alphabet, they came before China. So that was one thing. Ah. And that's just how it how it happens. Ta comes before chi, so like that, of course. During the broadcast of Hong Kong and Taiwan, there were 
lots of messages like in support of their independence is what what people were saying so and i know people who i know who are from hong kong like found it very moving Mm. and then china when china came out the messages oh my (gasps) goodness so like wuhan was everywhere Mm. um yeah there was like things like liars there was like (gasps) it was like not no not liars um so we're like uh like corruption or something Mm. i'd have to look again but yeah it was like it was some drama around like not all of it but there was some drama around china but you know china and japan have a they got history they got history And I think that's why we, I was saying off the air, and I want to say it here, is that at least in America, and even with the um, with the uh, International Olympics Committee, there is this inherent desire to separate the political state from the games, right? Right. Keep it off the field, basically. And we'll talk ever so slightly about Rule Fifty, right? No protest, right. and they've you know they've allowed some, you know, but historically the act of bringing all these countries together to perform in these feats of athleticism is political. I do not understand how you can separate the two. So when, when people have these reactions towards these statements, I do not understand how you can separate the two. I think that when one of that is a very, I believe a privilege uh, rose colored glasses. It's like, it's like white people saying, like, let's just not talk about race. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I cannot sit there and, and think about what's going on in China and not look at that through the lens of their people and look at that through the lens of, of how that might make Japan yeah. or Thailand feel. When you're talking about how difficult it might have been to to practice and what they've had to go through, I cannot see them apart from what's going on in their lives. Yeah. And it was a whole thing because Taiwan came before China alphabetically. Mm. And as soon as like Taiwan, like these messages came up. China cut the broadcast. And so people in China are like, China's about to come out. What are you doing? <laughs> like <laughs> See, and, and, that, and that's exactly, that's just one of the examples. And how can you separate that as you're watching that? And I also, I, I know we're desperate to probably transition on the, the form of COVID of where we have had Stop Asian Hate here in America, where we want to be so upset and mad about the international tri- uh, travel from people from Eastern parts of Asia. And now... We have this where they don't want tourism. We don't need foreigners coming into the country in order to keep this safe and keep numbers low. And I think yeah. it's are they gonna are they gonna punch Americans in the street in Tokyo? Well, I mean, like I as far as I my understanding is it's like it's still not open for visitors, is my understanding, except for, <laughs> for the Olympics. And I mean, this is a whole probably a a whole additional conversation but like there's a lot of racism in japan Mm -hmm. like and it's and it's it's a different sort of racism because it's such a homogenous society and i think i think a lot of people would agree with that statement it's not a controversial statement Mm -hmm. and so i think there is a certain attitude towards foreigners already Mm -hmm. and in Japan, in my experience, like Western foreigners are treated differently than like 
Chinese or Korean or Southeast Asian visitors who come in. But I know that's like a longer conversation that we don't necessarily have to get into. But yeah, that's it's an interesting point. And I don't think the population is out there like committing hate crimes against the um the athletes who are there, right? No, it was just it's one of those like ironicisms, isn't it? Of just like if it had we had this this odd inverse kind of feeling, and I don't think their reaction would be hate crimes. I yeah. I I honestly believe that, and I just I kind of seeing this switch of the narrative of let them go, let them participate. We have to move on. It's not their fault. Can't blame it on the the the, the foreigners, the visitors, and I'm like that's the duplicity. It's the hypocrisy. It's a difficult decision, and it is definitely not one that I would support if I were in Japan. Mm-hmm. I think you know that Japan is is wrestling with this economic stagnation mm-hmm. it's had and and this like ultra conservative government and the tsunami and the nuclear disaster Fukushima and there was a lot like in and all of that in and of itself I'm like Japan is not a great place to hold the Olympics but I think for the government it was seen as like a symbol, you know, like holding mm-hmm. this as like a symbol. Like the they they hosted the Olympics whenever that was, like in the 60s or 70s, mm-hmm. I don't remember, but that was like a big symbol like coming out of like, you know, their their restructuring versus after World War II and like it was like a status to the world showing wh- how far Japan has come. Mm, 1964. Yeah. Okay, cool. That sounds right. But less than 20% of your population has been vaccinated. It's it's scary. And that and I do terrifying. know people who are American living in Japan who came back to the US to get vaccinated. Um, oh man. Because they knew that it was going to be so long and they were scared about the Olympics. And that was like a level of privilege that not not everyone has. Exactly. But you, there is, like you said, even with everything, any one of those would have been enough to be like, eh, we should probably pass. Mm-hmm. But there is this flex about hosting. I think about when Rio hosted, the infrastructure there in Brazil was very openly not there. Yeah. And yet they spent billions of dollars they did not have. It's crazy. I think, what was it? The final total tally might have been $13 billion. Yeah, around there, and and of course, like m- over half of that was paid by the people, and I think they were negative by, and this is all U.S. dollars, by the way. Yeah. I think negative two billion dollars. Yeah, I think you plan on losing money. Yeah, by hosting the Olympics, probably the World Cup too. I think these like huge. Mm. It doesn't make economic sense. It's like a weird flex and yes there's like usually an influx of visitors and things but obviously like that's not happening now so there's not oh yeah it's eerie watching it i was watching women's volleyball i think and just seeing no people it's just silence right (laughs) It's silence. Oh, was it? My, my daughter's obsessed with synchronized diving. Mm. So I have to watch synchronized diving and seeing this amazing flips and turns and half squat and then land into the water and it just be like silence. 
is so eerie. It's so incredibly eerie. And I, I, my heart just like breaks about the amount of money. And it's still, I know they're saying maybe like in 20, December of 2020, they're like, oh, the bill might be 2020 or 200 or a $22 billion US of what they've spent in Tokyo. They said it could actually be upwards of 28 billion US. Then I think the number is still like out to lunch until the Olympics are actually over. But I know they had almost upwards of $3 billion just from the delay alone but they had all these volunteers drop out and and they had to uphold this infrastructure and the stadiums that once again the olympic committee actually designs like it has to look like this so you need to provide this and it's just financially i've always struggled with like how how can we you don't have places already there (laughs) so it's that is hard to cope with and look at that you talk about like trying to decide morally where you stand it is really hard to think about the financial crisis that we put on these countries to host and for anyone listening in albuquerque there is currently a big struggle that you're all familiar with i'm sure um with building a soccer stadium here and so thinking about that but on a much larger scale right Mm -hmm. yeah I I'm, I'm thank you so much for bringing up your point of view because I think that's something here in America we don't necessarily get to see that kind of nuance. But as we're saying, the Olympics are incredibly political, and we are not unscathed, especially with racial tensions going on. Uh, a lot of focus on our women of color athletes yes. this year. Yes, a lot of focus. Not only are they bringing home the gold, but we're dishing out the grief. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I said, I have not really been following the Olympics, but I think it's impossible to miss these things. Presumably it's like coming across everyone's feeds in various ways, like news feeds or social media feeds, because it's, it's a lot of big news. Every time there's the Olympics, there's a lot of big news about stuff regarding race. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's, that's the one thing here about the Olympics. Once again, it brings a massive microscope mm-hmm. on what's ever going on in that country because you're forced to have these little windows. We, we talk about the spread of media, but you know what? You can probably manipulate a decent bubble thanks to algorithms to where yeah. certain things will never reach your road. But during the Olympics, you cannot help but have these windows. And, uh, you know, we have uh, Miss Biles over here who decided to step down from gymnastics. I feel like that's the story that really dominated the first half of the Olympics for her mental health. And there was a lot of mixed reviews towards that. But I do feel by the community, uh, people of color were really responsive. And I think that also started bringing up the mental health and the pressures that we put on the athletes both physically and mentally and I think that has been something that's up for debate is just between smaller uniforms for women how Mm -hmm. young these athletes are the intensity of their uh, workouts and how hard they have to practice is so incredibly intense but I kind of want to focus on a little bit specifically on just a few cases one of which I really kind of want to spend some time with we've had the case of the swim caps for women of color especially particularly on the British team Mm. uh, that they were rejecting on professional competitions in order to get to the Olympics of not saying that those are mandated, which it's a swim cap. I don't even want to talk like, but 
swim caps pull. They're really hard on your hair, especially if you have a thicker texture or a lot of hair. And just for them not being able to make a concession on some piece of rubber on your hair is ridiculous. Right. Uh, Yeah. And and you hear like some of the argument being like, no one ever needed these special (laughs) swim caps before. And it's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. listen to yourself, dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> that That's just the thing. And then once again, we have these uh, um, people who are at the top peak of their condition. I'm like, they don't need your help. They don't they don't need that swim cap up. <laughs> like, of course, it's crazy. Then we have runners from Nigeria. We've got runners uh, from Mumbai. We've got uh, uh, runners from where else did that, that they put that are from oh, Namibia. Let's see, Nigeria. Where else did I put? These are female runners who are being made to lower their testosterone levels, or they are not allowed to run. Yeah. So one of the biggest cases is for Arcaster Simonye. I, I hope I didn't pr- mispronounce that too badly. But she was told she would not be able to participate in these Olympics unless she took drugs, which that's hilarious, in order to lower her testosterone because it was too high. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind in an environment to where they take drug testing so seriously because we just had a case of someone not fulfilling uh, popping positive for marijuana <laughs> in their testing yeah. and was not allowed to like that spark controversy. But then you want people to take hormone altering drugs. Right. Right. It's the question of, <sighs> there's a lot of talk about advantage, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, are we trying to put everyone on an even footing to begin? Because like, that's a slippery slope for one Mm -hmm. and it's impossible for two. And like hormones are so varied between people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when you put something like that out into the general public, like you hear a lot not to disparage the general public, but people are like testosterone's a man hormone. It's like I, it's a everyone hormone, you know. It's a give them some basic biology, girl. We have got both. That's the whole. That's the yeah. tea. Yeah. <laughs> what are we teaching in these classes? I don't know. And that blows my mind. And and it's a problem, too, because then that goes mm-hmm. back to, you know, these misconceptions we've talked about before that it's like women of color are somehow more manly, more masculine uh. and black women in particular than the standard woman who is a white woman. Right. And exactly. so that's now it's like feeding into that stereotype. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. Well, so it's a whole they're superhuman. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, it's we're like genetically they, disp- you know opposed to be great. <laughs> everyone in the Olympics is superhuman. <laughs> like, oh my everyone. gosh! Yeah, Michael Phelps does not make the same amount of lactic acid no. as an average. He's double, triple jointed. Yeah, like his wingspan is like much larger than it has any right being for his size. <laughs> like exactly, he's obviously a quarter eel on his father's side like yeah is that not an advantage yeah. <laughs> like, i don't and we've talked about this on, on another instance and we talk about someone who's had a, a formal olympian come and actually give them tutelage yeah. in order. is that not an advantage right 
there was the the woman who, and I should have looked up her name beforehand, who won the first gold medal for the Philippines in deadlifting. Amazing. She talked about how hard it was to go work out during COVID. And she was literally at home with a stick and heavy water bottles deadlifting. Like, that, and brought home gold. This amazing woman. She did what she had to do. And she just did the daggone thing. Now, do I think there are athletes out there who were probably still allowed to go to the gym, who were probably still allowed access, is that not an advantage? Right. Yeah. I just, that word is so inherently dangerous. And they just excluded these athletes who crushed their dreams because of just how they were born. Right. Yeah. Make it make sense. It, I, make it make sense. I mean, yeah, it's, it's out of hand. It is out of hand. It, it is. Well well said. <laughs> I, I, think, I think which is something that's actually currently unfolding now. So I probably don't want to speak too much on it as it's unfold. Miss Raven, the Hulk Saunders shop putting this out. Proud, beautiful, chocolate, strong goddess up there. One silver went to the podium to receive her medal and for a brief moment threw up a her hands in a crossed fashion to represent the intersection between people and uh, marginalized groups of people and their face of oppressions and put it straight down thus technically violating rule 50 mm-hmm. of the international olympic committee that says no kind of demonstration or political or religious or racial propaganda is permitted in an Olympic sites, venues, or other arenas. And this is, I mean, not the same people, but this is the same committee, the same organization that allowed the Nazi Mm. salute. So let's think about that for a moment, shall we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is obviously to the response to the 1960 Olympics of when we we had the the two gentlemen up there and the very iconic... black fist up in the air with their medals with their black socks on the ground i just when you see the knee-jerk reaction to that and you hear the response even towards commentators of color saying that she did violate the rule they are saying that they have not loosened up but they have changed the protocol so for example they allowed the british women's soccer team to take a knee yeah they took the knee and yeah, cause they, I think they said, yeah, the first time their Olympics. Yeah. So they had that. And I was like, cool. All right. So how I struggle with that when it says sites, venues and other areas. But that that looks like a site. Yeah. And, and that happened. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I believe that happened right before their match and they were on the field. Right. Is that yes, correct? Yes. Yeah. That's the picture. They're on the field. Even the referees. The referees in both teams. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I, I'm like I'm 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 very very curious about that. I think there's something about the podium because that is something that's very iconic. A lot of focus is on that particular moment. I think right now some people are saying there's no way they can take her away her medal for her, but they did take it away from the other gentleman from the 1968 Summer Olympic, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, like for track and field stars. Yeah. And they sure did get their medals taken. Yeah. So there's this part where I always feel they always give just enough 
to just the right people and just the right place to make it seem very accepting, progressive, and inclusive. But when it actually comes to, we just said this woman doesn't meet the stereotypical body type and shade and beauty. It's not like a universal symbol either. Mm -mm. Like the crossing of arms is the crossing of arms. Like it's not she's out there like flipping the bird you know like it's not and and even that like that's such a a a fucking western eurocentric fucking thing i just said because that Mm -hmm. does not mean the same everywhere either Mm -hmm. but i think yeah it's not like a a universal symbol it's not like a symbol people connect with hate and this idea at least i think we're on the same page here of like the intersection of where oppressed people meet is that political i don't i don't Feels directional i don't yeah i don't <coughs> understand i'm struggling with this cuz like i don't understand what is political about it i think it is it's a show of solidarity for yep. the global majority around the world so it's like what are like white people feeling hurt and attacked by this or something. I don't understand who is hurt or feeling excluded from this this gesture. Exactly. Because there's women who are oppressed, white women who are oppressed. It's all oppressed. Yeah. So it's it's still like it's, I it's kind of in review. A lot of it's a lot of buzzy. Even by the time this comes out, I don't know what the outcome will be. I just stop. You're the ones who are making something political. Stop saying that it's not. And I don't know. I hope, I hope, I hope Miss Saunders is able to keep her medal. And she did an amazing job. She tweeted something like, they can try to take it away from me. I'm running away oh! from them or something. <laughs> what did she tweet? Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. But I, it's, uh, I, I can translate. I wish you would. That's basically yeah. what she... <laughs> yeah. Have you just seen how far this woman can shot put? You can try to take that medal away if you want to. <laughs> You will be her pre-game snack. You will be her post-game. What She's she needs. called the Hulk. Come yes. on. <laughs> yeah. I dare. You know what? Go ahead, committee. Go ahead. You have to take it off her yourself during COVID. No mask. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But I think a highlight for sure of this year's Olympics has been for me hearing hearing these stories and, and hearing about these things like so much support behind behind these athletes i'm sure they're facing a lot of criticism some official some just general but i have seen and i know it's totally because of the echo chambers i exist in i have seen such overwhelming support and people really identify with the with these athletes who are who are taking a stand Uh right so it's great whether it's for those who are being oppressed mental health body image yeah. against sexual abuse um, uh, like the systems like i'm i'm i really am proud that you like i said for everything that it's worth is that these athletes who've had to sacrifice just like everybody else and live in a place of uncertainty for all their hard work that some of them are still choosing to it's still quite risky to use their platform and that to me those small glimpses that's like i want to capture those yeah it doesn't undo anything. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't make up for it whatsoever. It's still something morally I have to try to work through. But like I said, seeing these little moments where it's like, yes, 
chipping chipping away of what we're trying to work towards, towards equality, of calling out racism, breaking down the patriarchy. They're up there doing it because they have a platform I can only dream to have. You're the right. whole world is watching you. And I'm, I'm thankful for them. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of support in particular around Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. And what it means for the future, right? What it means for young women watching this unfold and seeing her make those decisions of putting herself before uh-huh. this this blind patriotism you bring up or like other uh-huh. things, right? Like ultimately it's what we talk about all the time. It's like ultimately you gotta you gotta take care of your own cup. Cause if that cup's uh-huh. chipped and broken, like you can't be pouring into other cups from that. <laughs> like you can't do no. anything. So it's like ultimately our a big responsibility we have as as activists, as educators, as friends, as family, as people in this world. We have a responsibility to take care of ourselves in our own well-being so that we can take care of others so we can succeed in the things we do so that we don't put ourselves like in her case in crazy Mm -hmm. harm like she could she could really hurt herself you know like she could kill herself she could break her neck you know and she has made the decision to take care of herself in treating mental health just as important as as physical health because if people have to step down for like a busted knee or something everyone's like oh that's such a shame but they understand and they might not face a level of of criticism that she had to face but i think think it's all incremental right and so Mm -hmm. maybe as a society we're moving towards valuing our mental health in a substantial way and treating it like like it's actual health. Mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, Simone Biles, for showing that women of color are not impenetrable. Yeah. Not lambs for the slaughter. Like, mm, we're not here for your entertainment. Yeah. These are these are real people in their real lives. She's only 26 years old. So proud for not like you have a beautiful life ahead of you. Yes. And look what her sacrifice did for the rest of her team. Yeah. Her team did the daggone thing. Yeah. And it gave them props. It gave them their roses because she believed in the team. So once again, she was not in competition with the other women in her team either. Right. So even just like that solidarity. So oh, that gave me little tiny goosebumps just thinking about it. I'm such a dork. Yeah. Like, but I love that. It wasn't she was so authentically for the rest of her team and i like i like i said i we are not made of stone women of color are not some othered being we have hurt we have feelings we have limits and i'm so thankful that we're showing that we can do amazing things we also need time to heal so let us heal yes <laughs> yes final thoughts on the olympics i know we just kind of scratched the surface mm-hmm. But I think we're we're recording this a little before the Olympics officially wraps. And so who knows? There might be another story that we're going to entirely miss. I know. I know. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we've both said 
kind our our overall thoughts. It's such a huge topic and it's such a pervasive it's games. Isn't it weird? Like at the end of the day we call it the Olympic Games and they hold so much weight and complications and it's so innerly woven throughout our history. It went for some naked guys doing sports to what it is today and seeing the evolution. But I am thankful for people using their platforms. I continue to watch mindfully and trying to bring attention to what I find to be injustice within it and say maybe next year or the next ones I'm like I can't or lean into it harder but it's uh it's been interesting because of the ghost of 2020 won't let us go (laughs) what about you yeah um I'm still a little caught up on this it's the 2020 Olympics it's 2021 to tell you the truth (gasps) and how bizarre it all is yeah it's like we could I thought we were moving up past 2020, but I guess no, we're no, not. No, no, it's a bad breakup. Yeah. We're just not over them. We heard our song on the radio and we just can't. We're just, now we're right back <sighs> texting them, you up 2020. Yep. It's awful. <laughs> WID. <laughs> should we, that, should we, should we be, should we, should we get happy? Yes, let's yeah. get happy. Yeah. All right, Damika, tell me the things. What's making you happy? Oh, I'm going to be good. I won't put like four or four things. I feel really geeky. I think we talked about this off air last time we chat. It's still doing it for me. It's the library. The libraries are opened up again in my neck of the woods. And between it being closed in England super quickly and then coming here, it had been over a year since I had stepped foot into a public library. And in fact, I took my daughter and she was the first kid that had been in that library in over like almost a year and a half. Wow. And the and the whole staff like there are books that have not been touched by a child in a year and a half. Wow. And they were just so like rolling out the red carpet. Like, what about this one? I love librarians. <laughs> they were so stoked to see a kid. And the kids yeah. section was just the, you know, they were like, we were waiting. We hadn't had a kid all day. And it was just such a moment. Of course, we still had masks and, you know, we, they're like the study rooms are not open and all of that. It was, it was just that moment of like, we're not out of the woods, but I'm seeing through the trees. So it's no secret, but librarian is like my dream job. I would love oh, to be a librarian. You'd be the most badass librarian ever, ever. In another dimension, in an alternate reality, I, I am a librarian. <laughs> I'm running the fan fiction as we speak. <laughs> What about you, Boo? What's making you happy? Okay, so it's Olympics-related, tangentially. (laughs) Say what? Yeah, here it is. All right, so um, there is the Global Japanese Tea Association. So they are an organization dedicated to educating the world on Japanese teas. (laughs) And they, along with another organization in Japan, in conjunction or at least inspired by the spirit of the Olympics, are offering 
a Japanese tea marathon <laughs> throughout <gasps> the Olympic period. So July 23rd through um, August 8th. So it will <laughs> it'll be wrapped up. It will have just wrapped up by the time this episode drops. But each each day of the Olympics, they are visiting a different tea producing region of Japan. And they have a couple of farms on on this Zoom call. And these tea producers are talking about like how they produce tea and doing like a farm tour slash if you had registered far enough in advance, you could purchase like a little set of tea from each of these places. They walk you through how to uh, brew each tea. It is it is everything. <laughs> it is two hours of Japanese tea. Um, and because of the time difference, every night. <laughs> um, yes. And it is just, yeah, 15 different regions of tea, three of the four islands of Japan, right? Major islands. And um, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I haven't been... I haven't been keeping up with the marathon because, you know, life. Mm-hmm. But I've I've been to some and they're they're just the quality is so great. It's great oh. Japanese practice in my life. And also just I'm obsessed with tea and I love it all. I'm here for I, it. Watching it's amazing. Yeah, watching a Japanese tea farmer be like, okay, and then you put an ice cube on top of this this sencha and you let it melt and that makes the perfect iced tea and i'm just like oh my god it's so japanese like the patience required and like repeat it three or four times to get your cup of iced tea and i'm like ah i'm I'm over here like a heathen that just threw an ice cube and some strongly brewed tea like a heathen yeah (laughs) it's amazing and i'm over there like taking copious notes and my husband is just like of course you are of course love it i love that just made me happy thinking about librarian writing very detailed notes about the process of tea making for olympic tea yeah it's perfect yeah it's perfect. This was a very so go to the library to find books about Japanese tea mm. so you can follow along with the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate happiness. Ultimate happiness. <laughs> Perhaps one of the nerdiest things I've done in a while, but it's it's amazing. I love it. I think that you're typical person perhaps would not be so engaged and so excited by two hours of tea talk every night but i'm living for it that's how you know it's real (laughs) yeah it's it's amazing Mm. all right well friends we want to hear how you are what you think about the olympics and what things you're doing to bring yourself happiness as we sit and wait to to see what the long-term ramifications are of having a global sporting event during a pandemic. Um, (laughs) So let us know all the things. We hope that you're all staying safe and, and taking care of yourselves and others. So if you want to reach out to us, you can do so 
any of the usual ways. You can send us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also reach us via social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Biracial Unicorns, and we are on Twitter at Biracial Magic. You can also leave us a voicemail should you choose to do so. All this info and more Mm. is going to be in our show notes, so check that out. Exactly. We want to give a huge Olympic-sized gold medal shout-out to uh, those who have given us so much support. That includes the beautiful and talented Dolly Pop Art. Go check out her Instagram at Dolly Pop Art. She is selling stickers and some of her art is so... She's made our iconic uh, biracial unicorns photo. Oh, so great. We also want to say thank you so much for Joseph Scott and actually uh, his group of Citizens of Tape City will be having some music coming out. So go follow them on Instagram and be checking that out here as well. And please, if you have the time, we would really appreciate it if you go follow us, subscribe, do all the things that everyone asks you to do. But also the extra points is to write us a review that that really helps us that, you know, we can't beat the algorithm. But what's more important is this information and these conversations get out there for the support of our unicorns and for the encouragement for our co-conspirators. Yes. And if you have anything you would like us to talk about on the show, feel free to send that our way as well. Mm. We're a community and we want to make sure that if you have questions or thoughts that we can help out any way we can. So we'll be back mm. next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Peace. Out. I'm, a, I'm, doing, I'm doing the X. Wait. <laughs> and I'm inserting like the da, 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 it's copyrighted. Da, 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 I think it's okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Children. Children. <laughs>